Good morning, everybody. You doing well? Good. All right. If you would, we'll be in the book of James today. That's in the New Testament. It's near the back. And um, as well as uh, if you don't have your Bible today um, or an app on your phone or whatever, it'll be on the screen for you to follow along. If you are brand new with us or if you have forgotten because of a turkey-induced coma, we are going through the book of James. And uh, you awake, by the way? I know. Uh, everybody good? Okay. Um, it's good to see. I said, are you awake? And then I said, okay. And everybody, everybody just went. Okay. I hope you're awake. We're going to roll through this. We've been in the book of James. Um, just kind of recap real quick. The, the author of the book is Jesus' half-brother. And his, he's half-brother because Jesus was born of the Spirit of God through Mary, who was a virgin, which is amazing. And so he comes, and he, had, he d- did not believe, but he comes to believe in Jesus as the Messiah after the resurrection, and he leads a church in Jerusalem. Now, there's some persecution that has, ari- has arisen, and he writes this letter to people dispersed all around because of persecution. And we've been doing this, we've been following this. This letter is to believers in Jesus who are not yet home. And that fits our context too. Though we may call home, your home may be 20 minutes from here, five minutes from here like my home is, our ultimate home and our ultimate citizenship is in heaven. And then he talks about something that we all go through, and that are the various, various trials and tribulations of life. We go through so many different things. Some of us, we are struggling with it today. This is like Kleenex can just sell during this time of year and make all of their profits because you can hear it in the air, okay? You hear the the sniffling. I've been buying hauls like they're candy and popping those things. So if I'm a little bit odd, it's from those, well, that just happens. But, you know, you got those things. So there's all sorts of trials, health trials, money trials, various trials of all different types. And we've been given three commandments up to this point during our trials, and they are this, The first one is to consider it, make a decision to consider it joy, brothers, when you encounter various trials. So he says, look at your situation and see joy in it because God is working even in your most difficult situation. God is working to make you more like himself and to make you who you need to be. God is at work. So he says, consider it joy when you hit trials. And he says, when you're going through trials, ask for wisdom, and you ask, and when you ask in faith, the Lord gives us wisdom. Then thirdly, we get today, the third thing we're supposed to do, that we're commanded to do, is boast. Now, you probably didn't think about that when you said, we're, you, need to take, you need to boast today, but that is actually the command that we have in verse 9 of James chapter 1. So if you would, in verse 9 of James chapter 1, it says this, let the lowly brother boast. That's actually an imperative. That's a command. So if you want to circle it, the command of verses 9 through 11 is to boast. So I am going to encourage you to boast this morning. But before you go, (laughs) you don't have to encourage that. Look what I got going on. Okay, before you go there, before you go there, I want to, we're going to put this into context. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. Go ahead, if you got your Bible, it's your own copy of it, even if it's someone else's, okay, just marking it. Um, underline exaltation, circle boasts, underline exaltation, verse 10, and the rich in his humiliation, go ahead, underline humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away, for the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, so, it fall, so, it, so its flower falls and its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of of his pursuits. 
And so we have this command, which is to boast. The command to boast is given to both rich believers and to poor believers. They're supposed to boast in different things, but they are supposed to boast nonetheless. First off, I want to make you a note. In verse 9, it says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. This isn't like how we use bro, okay? Every time I text somebody, I, I, I say, how you doing, bro? Unless it's a female, then I don't usually do that. But if I'm texting Kevin or something, I said, how you doing, bro? Okay? This is not just a term that we would use. It's not just a throw-in thing. When he says bro- brother, okay, he is saying, he's talking about someone who has become a part of the family of God through adoption in Jesus Christ. Talking about believers, so when he uses brothers, and he's talking, and we really can understand it as brothers and sisters, all those, whether male or female, who have become one in Jesus because of faith in him. And so we see this. He writes to the poor brothers. Look in this verse 9. It says, let the lowly brother, we really could translate that poor brother, boast in his exaltation, and the rich now, we gotta, there's some parallelism. So there's two brothers here. There's the poor one and the rich one. And then it says, and let the rich in his humiliation. I want to stop here, and I want you to note something, that the Lord allows people to come into his family and blesses them, and when they're on different economic and financial planes, the Lord calls poor people to himself, and he calls rich people to himself. Okay? The Lord is the Lord blesses some believers with a little, and he blesses some believers with a lot, okay? There are some who write offering checks sometimes to church, which have more zeros than I will ever have in my bank account, and they write those things and pop it in there, and that's like their tithe. And you're like, whoa. And there are some people who you're just rolling in here on quarters, man, and you're throwing whatever you got in there, and it's not about the amount, it is about the heart that they give. And so I want you to see this. There are believers of all shapes and sizes, all financial levels in the kingdom of God. And some of you are saying, oh, I wish I was one of those rich brothers, okay? And most of us are saying, I recognize, the, with the, I sympathize with the poor brothers. But I want you to know this, and this is very important. Wealth is not necessarily evil. The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, we heard in the scriptures. And it is very difficult for a rich man to get into, the neat, a neat, to get into heaven. But the Lord makes impossible things possible all the time. And just because you are poor in this place, and I bet you if we did a poor versus rich uh, comparison today, the poorest would be amen, okay? And the rich would be like, I'm not talking about it, okay? It's like, it's like those people who say, I eat and eat and never gain any weight. No one likes you, okay? <laughs> All right? It's especially appropriate for this, but I want you to know this, that just because, see, sometimes we, we swing, the pendulum swings in different forms of, quote-unquote, or different denominations of Christianity, and, and both are wrong when you go to the extreme. Some people believe that you're, you are blessed financially because of your obedience. Sometimes that has happened, but sometimes that's not the case. The Lord blesses a lot of godless people with money, Okay? 
And some of us think that if we are, so that, so that school of thought, there's this one school of thought that says if you're getting materially blessed, you have the faith. And then there's another school of thought that swings the other way. If you are rich, you're obviously doing something wrong and cheating people out of that. And you obviously are part of the 1% conspiracy to take over the world. So you can't be rich and be a believer. Both of those are wrong. See, the Lord makes believers out of both the rich and the poor. And there are circumstances that he ordains and gives. And both being poor and being rich have their opportunities and they have their difficulties. And that is exactly where we lead today. Some of the people that James are talking to are financially blessed, and some of the people that he is talking to are financially destitute. Whether that's because of persecution or just the way that, just the providence of God, they find themselves in different financial situations. And I bet you across this room today, especially with Black Friday having just happened, Cyber Monday, Cyber Monday on the horizon, and the, the, the fact that we have to buy Christmas presents coming up in December, the end of December, some of you are probably thinking about your financial situation more than you would otherwise, or lack thereof, okay? And I want you to hear this. Each situation, whether you are poor or rich, brings an opportunity and a difficulty. Opportunities to glorify God and difficulties because there can be some low lows for those of us who struggle with finances, and there can be some lows for people who are rich who put their trust in money and not in the Lord. So I want you to hear this. He calls both the poor, bro- he calls both the poor man and the rich man brothers. They are not saved because of their finances. They're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and they are all different spectrums upon the financial spectrum. And then we see this. I want you, and one of the commentators in reading and thinking about this, I want you to hear this. A person's attitude towards material things is a good index of their spiritual condition. Let me just say that one more time. A person's attitude towards spiritual or towards material things is often a good indicator of where they are spiritually. As Jesus did say you can't serve God in money, you have to pick who is your master and lord, but just here's the thing, you can be a rich Christian and a poor Christian. And you can be right in the middle. But he says he's got particular opportunities and difficulties for each. Verse 9 says, and then we start with this. Here's the command to boast, okay? Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. The lowly, we can actually probably translate that better, the poor brother, those who are kind of destitute, those that don't have a lot of financial means. We don't know why, we don't know who he has in mind particularly, but we can understand this very generally as somebody who's struggling with finances. Somebody who are, are they're obviously their they're brothers, they, they trust Christ, they're trying to serve Christ, but they, their bank account is low, their cash flow is down, their money roll has got Washington's in it, okay, and not Benjamin's, okay? They are down and out. And he says for the poor, he says if it, for the let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. This is not boast in your poverty, how many of us would, you ever seen 
like one of those shows, like it was back in the day, it was MTV Cribs, and then before that, it was uh, Robin Leach and Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. You ever watch one of those shows, and you're like, I want a gold toilet. Like, why would you get a gold toilet? I don't know, but you want it. In fact, there's a museum in New York City, uh, I think it's the Guggenheim, that actually has a gold toilet that's an art display. Go figure, right? And you can actually go use that toilet. It's weird. But I remember seeing that and thinking, if you go to Graceland, right, and you could go on Elvis's plane, the lavatory in the plane is all gold-plated. Why would you need gold plate in the bathroom? That can't clean up well. I mean, you know, Clorox wiping the gold plated things, all right? You see that and you want that. And sometimes you think that how could they have any problems? Because look at how much, look at how high on the hog they are living. And so to boast in our poverty, boast in our poorness, is not something that we do regularly. Think, think about your Thanksgiving pictures. If you had a can of Spam and a stock of celery as your Thanksgiving feast, you're not going to put that on Instagram, right? What is everybody putting? The big turkey or whatever you made, and it's like the nice spread and all the family. And so with Thanksgiving, we are boasting in the things that we have. And that's not necessarily wrong. It depends on the heart in which you do it. But let's get this idea. Boasting is, this boasting is not in your poverty, it's not, check out the holes in my shoes. It's not, look how poor I am. The boasting, here is, here is what we're supposed to boast in. The poor brothers, if you find yourself today in this situation where you would say you are poor, the command for you is to boast, and that means to have a strong reaction of pride about your circumstances. What are you supposed to boast in as a poor brother, a poor believer in Jesus? You're supposed to boast in your exaltation. Boast in your exaltation. Obviously, being poor, you do not experience exaltation on this side because your car's not fancy, your clothes not, aren't fancy, you're just getting by. And so your exaltation, you're not supposed to boast in your finances. You are supposed to boast in and to find pride in your exaltation. What does that mean? It's kind of what we sing about. It is the treasures that we have because we are adopted as sons and daughters by the one true God. If you are poor this morning... You are called by the, by the living God through his servants who wrote under the inspiration of the Spirit to boast not in your circumstances but in your future exaltation. You have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And though you are poor now, you are an heir to riches beyond measure. You have an inheritance that is bigger. Our God is not short on cash, folks. He does not roll up to the ATM and get declined. The cattle of a thousand hills are his. And here's the great thing. Because we're his son and daughters, we are called to come boldly before him to knock, seek, ask, and pray. Now, we're not supposed to pray seeking our own good. We're supposed to pray for the glory of God, but we are definitely supposed to ask. 
I can't even imagine a situation where I would encourage my son to keep asking me for things, right? <laughs> okay, he's four. Everything's, can I have that? Okay, like you're trying to get him to not, some of you who have kids, you're right there. Okay, could you imagine imploring your kids, ask me for more things? Just please, when we go to the checkout line, just grab all that stuff. Just grab that, you know, that $5 spinning, you know, Batman thing that has candy this big in it. Just buy that, that junk. Please just ask me for that. Could you imagine? But in the scriptures, what does Jesus say? Seek, ask, knock, come, be persistent. You remember the one about the man who's trying to wake up the guy inside? And he says, be like that in prayer. Just bang on the door. Be the persistent widows who noised the bejesus out of the judge. Hey, I need justice. He's telling us to bug him. Oh, what are our riches that we can go to a God who implores us to ask him? We're supposed to ask for wisdom, yes. We're supposed to ask with faith, absolutely. We're supposed to ask not for our own good, but for the glory of God, absolutely. But we are called to ask. And so the, the poor person who is poor has the ability and the right to come to his father and beat on the door of heaven and ask. And we have, and we have rights and privileges there too, not because we're good, but because he made it so in Christ. But not only that, if you're talking about our condition, though we may be poor on this side, though our clothes may be threadbare, we have an eternal home an eternal dwelling place in God, that is a big deal. We have eternal life. We are heirs with the Father. We are children of God. And one day our faith will be made sight. And so if you are poor, it is easy to get down in the dumps if you are poor. I remember a time where I, 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 had, I lived in Louisville, and I had a, a situation where I could not... I was having problems breathing for about seven, eight months. You know, I, they would go to the clinic at the seminary where they let us go to the doctor for five bucks. It was awesome, okay, because we were all broke trying to go to seminary. And I remember very clearly the guy saying, we don't know what's wrong, but you need this medicine. And the medicine costs a lot of money. I think it was like $100 for my prescription a month. $100 to me then might as well have been a thousand or fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars a month. It was like we couldn't swing that. It was either like, okay, we can keep the lights on or I can breathe. And I, it was not, it was like in a bad situation, right? And so I remember the doctor said, well, here's this good program that we have in which we can advocate for you and you could get your medicine for free because of your current financial situation. And I never forget that. I was simultaneously relieved and excited by it, but also just felt awful that I could not do that for myself. Poverty, and, and it leads to depression in so many situations. Not being able to do these things on your own. It might lead us to think that because we, we are not much, that we can't do a lot for the kingdom of God. We don't have the resources. We don't have this. We don't have that. It can lead us to lowly thinking and thinking of ourselves as less than we ought to. I want you to hear this. If you're in Christ, here's the beauty of it. You have an exalted position, not because of who you are, but because of Christ in you. 
And so he, there is this command for us who feel lowly and that we cannot be of, of, we cannot be of consequence for the kingdom of God because of our current state, to not become depressed by that, but to boast, find our pride in the fact that because we are in Jesus, we have placed our faith in him, we are exalted. And we have a place as sons and daughters of God that we are the people of God who could come to him boldly, who are heirs to his promises because of what he has done. And so we don't have to be beat down by our poverty, but we can think on what is to come because this life is short. Now, that's good news. And then he moves on from, goes from the poor brother to the rich brother. In verse 10, it says, and the rich in his humiliation. Let me put it this way. The rich must boast in their humiliation. That does not sound like something to boast in. Humiliation, right? I wouldn't think that we would want to do that. I was telling the story, I was talking with one of my cousins this week. He was needed some spiritual guidance, and I was, as the pastor in the family, we were down for Thanksgiving in, in South Alabama. <laughs> for real? Okay, we were South Alabama folks. Yeah, it was, it was highfalutin, okay? And so I was down there and asked to talk to one of my cousins, and I told him about a time in which I fell down the stairs as a senior in high school because someone had smeared cream cheese at my high school all over the handrails. I grabbed the handrail, trying to walk down to the cafeteria, and I fell all the way down two flights of steps and found myself covered in cream cheese. Now, what was bad is like, it, you, it would not have bothered me because I was anonymous about three weeks before, but there was two really popular football players that canceled out each other's votes, and I won homecoming king. Okay, And so I only tell you that because this makes the story more humiliating because now people know who I am. Before that, I was anonymous. Now people, oh, I know that guy. And so I am laying down at the foot of these steps covered in cream cheese. And I know that sounds so weird. And the, these, like, it felt like 50 girls walked in the, like, the staircase and were like, oh, my gosh, look at that guy. Oh, my gosh, it's homecoming. He's covered in cream cheese laying on the ground. They didn't help me. I'm hurting. And I'm covered in cream cheese. Is that the hum- I was, that's humiliation, folks. Is that the type of humiliation he's talking about here? He is talking about let the rich boast in the fact that his riches are fleeting and that his status that is gained by having money is only short-lived and that to be in Christ, know this, that, that everything is fleeting other than him. So if you are rich today, you must boast in your humiliation. He helps us understand more what that is. Because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. Humiliation is related to this, that your finances, don't boast in them. Don't find security in the fact if you're rich. Don't find security in your money because it will soon pass away, and you will too. And it, it says it this way. It says, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. In verse 11, for the sun rises and it, with its scorching heat and, the, and withers the grass, it, its flower falls, its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. And so the, the point is this. 
rich riches. Even if we are of rich status, our life is short. It's like the grass of the field. I noticed this as I was flying in yesterday back from South Alabama and North, North, North Florida. I noticed this as I was coming. Do you remember about, well, it actually probably wasn't even that long ago. You probably last cut your grass in October because it's been so hot here. But do you remember? Let's think about this for a second. If you did not cut the grass at your house during the summertime, if you decided, I'm not going to do it, how high would that stuff be? Grass grows crazy, crazy up here anyway. Can you imagine how big, how tall? You would have created some type of, like, you know, wildlife preserve in your house. If you didn't, it would be like, it would be like a jungle. People would think your place was abandoned. It would be four foot tall. But now, with the onset of winter... That grass that used to be, I mean, how many times do you have to mow during the summer? Like, you mow, and then you have to mow the next day, but you don't, okay? And now, what's happened to the grass? It's not growing. There's no need for that. That is the point. The rich person who has a lot of finances is not supposed to boast in their money and not to find security in that, but they are supposed to boast in the fact that their life is short, fleeting, and transitory. And they must understand riches in their place, that riches are not God. They are not security. They are not happiness. They are a blessing from God meant to be used for the purposes of God. And we must not boast in our riches. And you're telling me that's an easy thing for me. In fact, when I talked about the rich brother today, you just checked out. You're like, the lowly stuff I'm down for. You don't know my bank account. I am not of the rich. I'm going to check out for the rich part because that ain't me. Well, I want you to know something. The average income in the world, or not the average income, but most people in the world live on $1.25 a day. In fact, one, actually not most, but 1.2 billion people in the world live on $1.25 a day. Can you imagine living on $1.25 a day? If you go to Starbucks once, you have spent three days' wages of 1.2 billion people in the world for one beverage. If you add a, something else in it, you get soy milk, God forbid. Okay, <laughs> you have just upped. That's five bucks, okay? You're, like, you're going for the week at that point. I know you may not feel rich, but I want you to know something. Those of us, especially in America, are rich compared to the rest of the world. We have, we eat more than one good meal a day. We usually have protein at every meal. Most of the time, that is meat proteins. If you think about it as well, m many of you in this, this place own a vehicle, and more than likely, you own a home that puts you amongst the richest people in the world. I'm not diminishing how tough life may be with finances. And yes, it does cost more to live here than it does in those other countries. I understand that completely. But I want you to know this. We are rich. The Bible warns us about the dangers of loving money. In fact, 
James would have been very well acquainted with Jesus' teaching about money. And we know the dangers of money. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 19 and in Luke chapter 18, as recorded in those Gospels. We see a rich man approaching Jesus, and Jesus basically says, give up everything you have to follow me, and give up your riches. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. You can't. And they're surprised by all the situations, and Jesus says some very difficult things. He says, how difficult is it for a rich person to get into heaven? And he said, it is is more difficult for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get to heaven. I want to be clear. There are so many people who've tried to to dial back the harshness of that statement. I just want you to know that. They, they try to say, well, the needle's eye that he's talking about is some gate in Jerusalem. That is called bad scholarship, okay? That is just called trying to justify what you want to believe. No, it's almost impossible for rich people to get into heaven. Do you know why? Because they want to trust their riches in themselves as God. But here's the beauty. Jesus is in the miracle business, and he can get your rich behind through that needle, Not by riches, but by faith in Christ. And so I want you to hear this. Lowly brothers, you need to boast in the fact that your home is in heaven, that you are co-heirs to the kingdom of God, that your father has all the money and you just need to ask, and he will give as long as you're not using it to waste it on your own passions. Our father is good. Secondly, you need to boast in your it, the lowly brother must boast of exaltation. The rich brother, and that includes all of us, most of us in this room, we must boast in our humiliation. What does that mean? We must boast in the fact, not in our money, not in our security, not in our 401k, not in our retirement plan, not in the fact that we can accumulate more for ourselves to make ourselves secure, to buy more alarm systems, to make sure we keep all that we have. No, we must boast in the fact this, that our money is a tool at best. A danger at its worst. But it can be used for the glory of God, and we need to remember that our life is short. Short-lived like the grass. Short-lived like the flowers that grow in the field. And he would have been very familiar with Palestine this time when the when rainy season would happen. Little wildflowers would pop up all over the place. And as soon as dry season would happen, what would happen? Things would shrivel up, fall apart, and die. That is how quick life goes by. That's why we must not boast in our things if we're rich or in our security that we can make from our financial, financial um, you know, moves that we make because we cannot take it with us. We cannot, it won't make us secure as much as you have. It can be taken away. I mean, just think about this. A, a tyrant died this week, Fidel Castro. And don't make no mistake about it, he was a tyrant. And he stole the riches from many of those who were affluent in Cuba and sent them to America, and they came here with pretty much nothing in the first wave of Cuban immigration. I knew many of them being from Florida. And their houses and money, most of their houses had gates on them, but one political miscue and a dictator takes power, and all of their finances are completely gone. 
The rich must not boast and find ultimate security and satisfaction in their possessions and money, but they must realize their state in life and must realize how fleeting life is and how riches are dangerous, but they're also blessings that can be used for the glory of God. Now, I want to, I've, I want, I've told you that you need to boast. You need to boast if you're poor. You need to boast in your position in Jesus so as not to be too down and, and not to be too discouraged. And if you are in, if you are in, if you are a rich person today, to, to not boast in your money and your security and what you have done with your own hands, but you boast in your humiliation, the fact that life is short and that all you really have is Christ to hold on to at the end because he is the center and cause of your riches. But I want to give you a warning today as, our, as we wrap things up, and the warning is this. The warning is to make sure you do not improperly assess your situation. I, I, in chapel, when I was um, in Bible college, there was this guy that sat behind me. His name was Tim. Tim was a nice guy, but Tim would sing very loudly in chapel, which is totally cool. You're supposed to sing praises of the Lord, sing as loud as you want to, but this guy, he almost like, he was getting on the borderline of getting crazy, okay? He would sing the songs, and he thought he was like a soul singer. He thought he was like Aretha, okay? He was not, all right? I just remember he'd be singing the songs, and he would just be going, he would add like little worship leader ad-libs right, right behind my head, okay? And it was like, you know, give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. Like, oh, yes, our God and King. Like in the, and like, dude. And he would try to hit harmonies and stuff, and he couldn't. He would sing falsetto a lot. It was like, it was like staying alive, you know, like, ah! I mean, it was, he was really getting into it, and it was bothersome. It was loud, and it was awful, and you could tell by the way he was doing it that he thought he was the junk. It's like when you're in your car, and you got, you know, whatever cranked up, and you're singing to it, and you're thinking like, I need to be on a CD, because this is good, all right? Maybe you're like Kevin, and you got your Celine Dion cranked up. I'm your that's not Kevin, okay? <laughs> That's not Kevin. But you're just getting down to it, okay? You are just, you're hitting it. You're like, ah! And you're thinking you are a great singer. But you're not. It's like, it's like the reason you used to like to watch American Idol when it was on television. I would watch the first couple of weeks because they would bring the self-deluded people on who thought they could sing. Do you know what I'm talking about? And they would come in there, and they would be like, all right, I'm going to sing a song by Christina Aguilera, okay? I am beautiful. I mean, it would just be bad. Like, please stop. You're hurt. And, they, and they were, like, legitimately hurt when people said, you're atrocious. I would rather listen to drowning cats in a dryer than listen to you. It is the worst and these people are totally and utterly like, what? Do you realize it is very dangerous to improperly assess your situation? Go to the beach. There are people that improperly assess their physical fitness. It's dangerous for everyone involved. I'm not throwing stones. I'm just saying it is what it is. 
Romans 12, 3, Paul tells us, for by, grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, he's writing to the church in Rome, you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. James, I think, is, has a similar point here. Is you who are poor... Don't be crushed by your poverty because you, through the providence of God, you're poor. But you have exaltation. You need to boast in the fact that you have a, a rich inheritance in Jesus, and so you should not be crushed by your poverty. There's hope. So he's taking us from the despair because of our financial situation to look this way so you won't be so despaired. You'll assess your situation correctly. Yes, my finances are tough, but my God will supply all my needs through his riches, and I have something better waiting for me. And so I will continue on in the faith and not become discouraged to the point of giving it in, throwing in the towel. Then on the other end of the spectrum, you have someone who rightly assess, who's rich, who needs to rightly assess their situation. My money is a tool. It is not God. It will not keep me safe. It will not make me happy. It is something I use for the glory of God, and I can enjoy as well as a good gift from him, giving thanks in all things, but it will not save. It will not exalt me. It is only here for a short time. I can't live just for dollars because dollars are here today and gone tomorrow. My life is short. I have something in Christ. So it keeps the person, the rich person, from trusting in themselves, but c trusting in Christ. So in both situations, you're going from one pendulum over here in which you're thinking of yourself, I am nothing. I am just a worm. I can't do anything. I'm so poor in my circumstances to looking to Christ and saying, but in Jesus, I won't be beat down because I have life and he's my father and I got a big fat inheritance coming. I just don't know when. So I'm going to seek and ask and knock, but where is it pointing to? It's not in ourselves. Our boast is in Christ. So the, the rich man, he doesn't say, man, I got so much money. I'm so good. I, I'm good at business. I make good financial decisions. I, this, I got all the security I need. No, what it does is he says, remember your humiliation. Your life is short. Your finances only last this long. And being praised by men, it ends at the grave. And so what does the rich man look to? Just like the poor man looks like, all I have is Jesus because at the end of the day, I can't take anything with me. And so to properly, inter properly assess our situation, we must not think too lowly of ourselves and forget our identity in Christ. And in our rich, we must not think too, in our richness, we must not, must not think too highly of ourselves and our abilities. Wealth is a false God that puffs us up Wealth is here today and gone tomorrow. Truly, all that we have is Christ. There are some who are rich and some who are poor in the kingdom of God. If you are in the kingdom of God, you are all on level playing field because all you really have is Christ. And if you are beat down today in your poverty, whether that be, be financial poverty or health, your, your health is in poverty, in poor health or 
want you to know something. You have a great inheritance in Christ. And that should encourage you. You have so much in Christ. And those of you who are rich and you struggle with become, being materialistic, and with finding, saying, if, if, only, if I had this, my life would be better. If I just had a little bit more money, if I just won the Powerball like somebody in Macon County, life would be better. I, life would be great then. I ran into a guy. We were doing a fa- like a pre-thing. You know how Thanksgiving now happens. We got multiple family. You do pre-Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, post-Thanksgiving. You may still have Thanksgiving leftovers. We were doing a pre-Thanksgiving with one set of my family in South Alabama. And there's a guy that comes out, and he's working for FedEx. And he comes, he talks to us for a minute, and then he gets in his truck, and he leaves. And my uncle said, hey, do you know who that guy is? I was like, no. <laughs> no, I don't. He said, his family won the lottery. And they built this huge store in South Alabama, and they lost all of their money. And now he is driving a truck for FedEx, which is a fine job. And, but you would not think, when you run the lottery, you're sitting pretty, life's going to be hunky-dory. Ultimately, in this life, all you will have is Christ. And if you don't have that, you have nothing. Properly assess your situation. Boast in the right things. If you are poor, boast in what you have in Christ. And if you are rich, do not boast in your riches, but boast in your humiliation and boast in the fact that all you have is Christ. And He is enough. And He is great. And He will supply your needs. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have Christ. Not that we are deserving, because we are not. Not because we are beautiful, because we are not. Not because we are righteous, because we are not. But you saw us in our deep spiritual pit. You saw us in our spiritual death. And you came and offered Jesus as a sacrifice. And he willingly went and he willingly died. And he is risen. And he is our hope, whether rich or poor. He is our hope. God, we pray people would find that hope in Hartsville and in this, even in this congregation today. And God, we pray that we would rightly assess our situation and boast in you. Help us to do that by your spirit. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.